Good evening, Patriots, and it's Wednesday, July 20th in the year 2022. And on the East Coast, you are entering into Thursday. Oh, I can't believe how fast this week has gone. Before we begin, we have Expedition Coffee. That's at XPED, expeditioncoffee.com. And it's a product designed for your health and for your energy. Unique coffee product that's been designed to give you a boost in energy, to help boost your immune system, and to help boost your mental focus for the whole day. It's a fantastic product. And I highly recommend you check it out. It's something you can take each morning. You can have it as a hot coffee. You can mix it with a protein shake, however you want to do. But as you get over to expeditioncoffee.com, you're going to find some other great products. And all these are designed to boost your health and immune system and keep it strong. The one thing that these people have counted on the whole time is a stress, lack of sleep, environmental stresses, lack of sun. If you gagged yourself with a mask, hopefully not. You're wearing your immune system down. And, and this is something else. If you have taken a shot, there's a series of products here on Expedition Coffee that are designed to help keep your immune system strong. So while we, you can't get rid of what's in you, you can at least keep your immune system boosted, which is extremely important because this shot was designed to break your immune system down. So Expedition Coffee is a foundation product. With it goes Immune XP, which is a pine cone extract-based product with high levels of vitamin C. And then you have Earth, which is a fantastic product for a full nutrient base. And you combine those products together along with the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. And because gut health is such a critical problem, you add that all together with the Expedition Coffee, and you have a pretty complete process in keeping your immune system boosted and keeping it strong with just simple products you can have every single day. Super high quality. Matter of fact, they are produced by the finest labs in the finest lab in the nation. And as many of you know, that many of these products were, all of these products were in part engineered by Dr. Eric Naputi, who we know very well. So check it out at Expedition, X-P-E-D, expeditioncoffee.com. And there are some new products coming out, which I'll be talking about more here in the next few days. Really good stuff, but I had to try them first to make sure I'm okay with them. And I am, I'm still alive. That's good. Anyway, Expedition, X-P-E-D, Expedition Coffee. Dot com. Check it out. All right, Patriots, I, I really don't understand. I'm trying to, I can't be nice about this. I'm trying, but I can't. So, Lord, forgive me. I don't understand mental retardation of some of these people. What gets into somebody to want? <laughs> Sorry, I'm already laughing. I can't even get through this in a straight face. Climate activist glues herself to the road with cement to protest climate change. Police are forced to chisel her hand from the cement. Now, I'm just curious, what does gluing your hand to the ground have anything to do with climate change? I'm, I wish they would have done this down in Oklahoma where it was like 130 degrees or Texas. That'd be kind of cool because their hand would turn into like, mashed potatoes. I mean, and they're literally chiseling their hand out. I don't know what these idiots thought was going to happen. I mean, what, what's the, there, this is what's amazing to me is there's absolutely zero forethought as into consequence 
I'm going to see, I'm going to protest climate change. I'm going to put quick dry cement and glue my hand to the ground with quick, quick dry cement. Good idea. Well, I mean, what was, what's the, what's the plan? <laughs> I, I'm just trying to capture the plan here and I can't do it. I, because I don't live in the world of stupid. This is dumb. And I, and I always go back to the same thing is we get to a place where this is all because of a lack of moral foundation. I mean, who would ever do this? It's like, I am, who's going to bring you food? Who's going to change your underwear when you poop your pants? How are you going to take a shower? How are you going to get yourself free? Are you going to cut your hand off? I mean, they, they don't bring a chisel with them. So the, obviously they expect first responders to come out and to chisel them free. The best thing that could happen is that no one would do anything. I mean, I, that's, that would be my response. Is like, oh, you, you, you glued your hand to the ground with concrete? Wow, that's pretty impressive. Okay, we'll let you be. Have a nice day. And I just walk away. Now, they'll be all super cool, and the motorists might not like it too much. I just get some orange cones and put it around them so the motorists don't hit them or give them an orange vest or something. I will guarantee you, I guarantee you, after 24 hours of sitting there having to wet their pants and poop in their pants and not having any food or water, they are going to be screaming for help. This is the dumbness of this generation. So if you are part of this generation that thinks that this is a good idea, I just need to give you some advice. Number one, um, God doesn't. I don't even have to worry whether I'm right or not. That's not a, a prophecy. That's pretty much scriptural. In fact, there is a scripture about being an idiot being stupid because you can't take rebuke. That's it. So in God's words, you're stupid. In my word, you're an idiot and you need to grow up because you're not making any difference except giving us great entertainment. And this is just nuts. But this is the world we're in. The same world that in Boston, the new people that have come into the country, thanks to our illegal immigration program, are being taught in their English studies, that assassination is an appropriate response to political protest. I've said this before. If you're a teacher and you're still in the public schools, you have made a choice to side with evil. I don't care what your heart is. I don't care if you pray. I don't care if you have Jesus in your heart. You're in the wrong place right now. Get out. And I mean that. Because that's just a den of evil. There's nothing, because you have no freedom anymore in the education system. The unions and your, and your school boards and your commitment to your PERS and retirement account, which is far greater than your love of God, has kept you there. And that's just the way it is. But the world is, this is part of the world unraveling. And this is why I wanted to start to get into tonight Malachi. And I don't know how far we'll get into Malachi tonight. I'm, I'm going to start reading a bit of it, and then we'll end with a piece that I played earlier today on Malachi, which has re really got my attention to it. And then I went through Malachi tonight, and I went, oh, my goodness. This is literally about where we are right now or where we're heading. Because the story of Malachi is really about God and the Jews having a conversation. And it's really about this, it's another version of the me 
religion, the religion of me. And it's pretty fascinating because this whole discussion is about God telling the Jews what they've done wrong or the Israelites. And, and then, of course, the Israelites are like, what are you talking about, God? This is, you didn't do enough here. We, didn't, we did this. And it's pretty much getting rebuked. And through six different times, God does this. And pretty much leaves them with an understanding that, you know, there's a remnant out here that lives for me and you aren't it, but you need to become it. And I, and I think this is why this is so important because we're pretty much at this interesting juncture. And I could see things unfolding to where we start to have a raising of heads of people starting to acknowledge God, but to make that next step to where you live through God, you live truly in that repentant world where we are walking with God, accepting God, celebrating God, trying to find ways to better honor God, that's a remnant and it's we're not going to get there quickly in this culture. We're literally almost in the book of Malachi. So let's let's get into it a little bit. I think this is an interesting study tonight. And it begins the pronouncement of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Was Esau, Esau not Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau, and I have made his mountains a desolation and given his inheritance to the jackals of the wilderness. Through Edom says, though Edom says, you we have been beaten down, but we will return and build up the ruins. This is what the Lord of armies says. They may build, but I will tear it down, and people will call them the territory of wickedness and the people with whom the Lord is indignant forever. And your eyes will see this, and you will say, The Lord be exalted beyond the border of Israel. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. Then, if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my respect, says the Lord of armies to you, the priests who despise my name? But you say, how have we despised your name? You are presenting defiled food upon my altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? In, in that you say, the table of the Lord is to be despised. And when you present a blind animal for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present a lame or sick animal, is it not evil? So offer it to your governor. Would he be pleased with you and would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of armies? But now do indeed plead for God's favor so that he will be gracious to you. With such an offering on your part, will he receive any of you kindly, says the Lord of armies? If only there were one among you who would shut the gates so that you would not kindle fire in my altar for nothing. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of armies, nor will I accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name shall be great among the nations, and in every place frankincense is going to be offered to my name, and a grain offering that is pure, 
My name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of armies. But you are profaning it in my saying, the table of the Lord is defiled, and as for it, its fruit, its food is to be despised. You also say, see how tiresome it is, and you view it as trivial, says the Lord of armies. And you bring what was taken by robbery and what is lame in the sick, and you bring the offering. Should I accept it from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of armies, and my name is feared among nations. This is literally the, the decadence of a society. That Israel now has come to a place where it is looking at the Lord as a routine, as a requirement for existence, not as a blessing. So all of the offerings that were to be given are now, they're trying to cheat. Ah, who's going to matter? The animals, I need a good animal to sell to the market, but heck, the, the Lord's not really here. But we're supposed to do this, so let's go ahead and do this. Let's, let's take the blind goat. Let's take the lame sheep. And we'll give it to the altar for the Lord, whatever. And when we're there, when we're at the altar, maybe we'll start a fire and we'll roast some meat for ourselves as well. See, there's no value. And this is very much where we are as a nation right now. And one of the places I point to is the Constitution. Because what has happened very strategically And it's a very sad move that has happened, in fact, is over the years, legal attacks and the liberal mindset, which is really more appropriately the the anti-American mindset, the haters, have worked very hard at separating the Declaration of Independence from the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And they've tried to make the Declaration of Independence seem as a separate document unattached to the Constitution, when in fact it is the primary document that sets up the Constitution. And how does this relate to the offerings? It's very important, actually. There's a correlation. Because the offerings in Malachi are about people losing connection with the origins of God and the purpose of the offerings and the importance of the offerings, and even greater than that, the honor and beauty of the offerings. The Declaration of Independence is a document that we should revere. And so important are these words in the second paragraph. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Self-evident, that means that we don't have to have somebody tell us or write us. They're self-evident. It means we have them within ourselves. We should know them. We understand them. And what are these? That all men are created equal. That's a given. That's right. That's biblical and that they are endowed by their creator, God, in other words, with certain unalienable rights, meaning no one can take them away unless God takes them or we're stupid enough to give them away, that among these are life, not abortion, but life, liberty, not obedience to a tyrant that sits in your state capitol and tells you to wear a mask or a pharmaceutical company that convinces you to take a shot, liberty, that's yours to have, and the pursuit of happiness, which does not mean excessive burdens from the federal government or people knocking at your door trying to tell you that you need to show them what guns you have 
or violence that comes in the street randomly because judges don't do their jobs. This architecture from the Declaration of Independence sets up the moral law structure of our nation. The problem is that as in the story of Malachi with the offerings, people don't understand the origins of where we come from. So now, instead of seeing the Declaration of Independence as a sacred document of, that is with rights that are given to us by our creator, meaning that they cannot be taken away, they see it as a piece of paper that with some words that are no different than another bill passed by Congress. That's the same as the offerings. It's just, it's just an animal. Who cares? We really don't care. We're gonna, it's got a blind sheep. Who cares? God's not going to care. He's not here. He can't see. Whatever. This is all just kind of circus play anyway. That's how people take the Declaration of Independence, and they miss the connection to God in the same way. So those that are defiling our unalienable rights are, in effect, striking at God as those that carried the maimed animals to the altar. It's important that we understand the magnitude of this because we are in a time right now when all things are being revealed, but all things are accountable in the end. So continuing with Malachi. And now this commandment is for you, the priests. If you do not listen and if you do not take to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of the armies, or excuse me, says the Lord of armies, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. And indeed, I have cursed them many. They have, I have cursed them already because you are not taking it to heart. Behold, I am going to rebuke your descendants and I will spread dung on your faces and the dung on your feasts and you will be taken away with it. Then you will know that I have sent this commandment to you so that my covenant may continue with Levi, says the Lord of armies. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him as an object of reverence, so he revered me and was in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and justice, and he turned many back from wrongdoing. For the lips of a priest should maintain knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of armies. But as for you, you have turned aside from your way. You have caused many to stumble. By the instruction, you have ruined the covenant of Levi says the Lord of armies. So I also have made you despised and and of low reputation in the view of all the people since you are not keeping my ways but are showing partiality in the instruction. There's consequence. There's consequence in everything that we do, in every action we take, and it's very clear that the intent of walking with the Lord is very different than just sitting in a pew once a week. Our priests might, our pastors and ministers might be good, might be well done or well suited to read Malachi 2, Malachi 2, 2, or actually just Malachi 2, period, and be reminded of the consequence of not living 
as the spokesmen of God, closing your churches, gagging yourself, in, in trying to encourage people to take the injection. That's not God. That's Satan's hand. And that's a sellout to everything that you proclaim to be. And that's true blasphemy, and I would not want to be part of it in judgment. We have to get more intense, in my opinion, in our walk with God. And I don't mean not be happy and not enjoy life, but the intensity of the consequence, to appreciate that what we're doing right now is we're truly trying to walk as a remnant, a remnant which God relies on, trusts, and to raise up the many. And we're not going to find that sort of purity in many of the churches. We're going to find defilement in the churches because they've sold out to their ways, the 501c3, the offering plate, and their willingness not to speak into politics, which is exactly where Satan has set up his lair. Let's continue. Do we not all have one father? Is it not one God who has created us? Why do we deal treacherously each against his brother so as to profane the covenant of our fathers? Judah was dealt treacherous, has dealt treacherously and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves and has married the daughter of a foreign God. As for the man who does this, many of the Lord Eliminate from the tents of Jacob everyone who is awakened and answers or who presents an offering to the Lord of armies. And this is another thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and sighing, because he no longer gives attention to the offering or accepts it with favor in your hand. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth, against whom you have dealt treacherously, though she is your marriage companion and your wife by covenant. But not one has done so who has a remnant of the Spirit. And they, and why the one? He was seeking a godly offering. He carefully then, Be careful then about your spirit and see to none of your deals treacherously against the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel, and him who covers his garments with violence, says the Lord of the armies. So be careful about your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. You You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, how have we wearied him? in that you say everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or where is the God of justice? So at this time, a lot of what was happening is in this period, divorces were happening. Men were leaving their wives to take other wives, younger and of other faiths, and they were accepting other gods into their lives. They were rejecting the faith in God, and they were instead taking on the old gods. Sounds familiar. Sounds like kind of today, like everybody gets divorced. And then they take on, they find somebody else. 
and they take that on and they'll find that somebody else is maybe they're a new ager or maybe they're a Eastern religion or maybe there's something else. And like, oh, I got to be like them. Culprits in this, primary, heavy culprits in this were men anymore in this gender confused world. I have no idea if that's true. I think anymore it's probably shared 50 50, just like it used to be the porn problem was all men. Now the porn problem is shared equally with men and women. I'll tell you the corruption we deal with, the vileness that we have in our society. Just as a side note, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but the only business that ever made money from the beginning to now in the internet is an internet business because internet could not figure out how to monetize itself at the beginning. The whole idea of free information access created an entire early movement where no one knew how to monetize anything. So they really didn't. There was just a lot of efforts done and people where there was a lot of freedom of movement. And, and then suddenly as Google and others started to take on Yahoo at that time, we started to see how they were monetizing. They were monetizing with ads. They were monetizing with, with paywalls. That slowly worked in. But the one group of people from the very beginning that not only made money but innovated most of the types of advertising and tracking technologies that are used today when you surf the web was the porn industry. And from day one, they made money. So we're going to continue on to Malachi 3. Behold, I am sending my messenger, and he will clear away before me. And the Lord whom you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of armies. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. And he will sit and he will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine the like gold and silver, so that they may present so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Then the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will come near to you for judgment, and I will be swift witness against the sorcerers and adulterers, against those who, are, who swear falsely, those who oppress the wage earner in his wages, or the widow, or the orphan, or those who turn away the stranger from justice and do not fear me, says the Lord of armies. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, the sons of Jacob, have not come to an end. From the days of your fathers, you have turned away from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of armies. But you say, how shall we return? It reminds me a great deal of Jeremiah 6.16. And it's, it is probably echoes much of the same. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where, you will, where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they say, they said, we will not walk in it. All of this discussion the Lord is having is so 
as talking to a to a populace who has in their mind what they want God to be, but they're not listening in their heart to what God is telling them to be. Because the life is convenient now in this world that they're in. Why should I give up my best animal when I can take my best animal to the market and I'll take the defiled one to the temple, but I'll still make the quota? That's losing connections with origins. And it's missing the entire point of walking with the Lord. Because it's not about me, it's not about you, it's not about us in the present, it's about what God needs us to do. And why we are here is to be able to walk in that flesh, to gain the experience of the world, to confront evil, because you know, this is where evil has much of a great purpose in God's plan. Because in this evil that we're facing, everybody wants to get away from it. They're like, oh, when is this going to be over? I can't wait. I can't wait till God swoops down and picks me up and I go to heaven and all you are left behind. That's stupid thinking. And quite frankly, it's pretty selfish, pretty much an extension of the me religion. And furthermore, it is not scriptural. God didn't put us here so we can be running away from evil. In fact, what's even more profound is we're God's children. I, it's kind of important in this statement. We're the inheritors of what? To stand next to the throne with him, to rule over all things eventually. And so how else are we going to gain experience on this earth unless we have an opportunity to have to live through, work through, confront, and overcome the devil himself? Lucifer becomes a useful idiot in God's greater plan. And he is a useful idiot because he's doing a very good job of doing just exactly what we would expect him to do, which is being the devil. All you have to do is look around. So as we're sitting here in this time, we're gaining immense experience as we walk in this path. So it's not a burden. It's a celebration. That's the role of the remnant. And it's a beautiful walk. Continuing, would anyone rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have I robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse. You are robbing me, the entire nation of you. Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and put me in the, to the test now in, in, in this, says the Lord of armies, if I do not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you the blessings until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruit of, of your ground, nor will the vine of the field prove fruitless to you, says the Lord of armies. All the nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of armies. Your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said, it is pointless to serve God. And what benefit is it for us that we have done what he required and that we have walked in the morning before the Lord of armies? So now we call the arrogant blessed. Not only are there doers of the wickedness built up, but they are also put God to the test and escape punishment. 
This is so like where we are today. It's profound. It's, there's no accountability. I mean, what are the critical things in this time? It's the idolatries. It's the accountabilities that we, we are pretty much washed away. That's the moral foundation of this nation at its core. We obsess over things. We are more interested in someone, in a person we meet, and someone we're going to date. We're more interested in a, a political figure, a, a rock star. We're more interested in some form of a human being than we are truly interested in God. That's a collective yes on this nation. And when we celebrate as a nation, and I'm not picking on anybody in particular, but we, I think we can all pretty honestly look around. Even in churches, where is that true honoring and celebration of the Lord? In too many, it's not there. What's the tithe? Well, the tithe is supposed to be 10%, but the tithe in this time, but the tithe is like, oh, the church has got bills. I better give them some money so they can cover it and not bug me next week when I come here. That's the tithe. It's not a tithe of a, of a cheerful giver. And, of course, the tithe has always worked around that timing, perfect timing in the church. They don't want to get the message going too harsh yet because you might not give that extra 20 that they want to put in the coffer so they're going to hold back on that message and they'll kind of slip one in at the very end as you're heading out the door and you're like, hey, did the pastor really say that? Yeah, oh, he must have been having a bad day. Well, we'll get back next week. I'm sure he'll feel better. That's the defilement of the church. That's the defilement of the message. And we so have to be back to getting to the core of what God's asking us to do. We need to honor him in all things. They're now continuing. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. And the Lord listened attentively and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and esteem his name. And they will be mine, says the Lord of armies. On the day that I prepare my own possession, I will have compassion for them just as a man has compassion for his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve God. Powerful. So the remnant spoke, in other words, because they were the true ones that loved God, feared God, and God heard them. And he had the scroll of remembrance written so that all of the rest in Israel would have to read it and be reminded of what it was truly like to live with God. It's really quite interesting here because in this discussion, what we don't hear are things like this. The remnant needed cell phones and they needed selfie sticks and they needed new cars, and they needed new clothes. It, none of that's there. There's no material things there. But on the other side, everything we've heard so much about on those that have defiled God are the ones that have been possessed by the material items, though those material items take the form of animals and sacrifices, but they're trying to keep the best for themselves and not share. The whole principle is to give God the greatest of all shares so that he can open the gates, the he can open up heaven and pour down more blessings upon us. And it's unlimited. 
But when we cut corners, and that's cutting corners in our own lives, we're not being honest in the heart. You've heard me rail on 401ks lately and investments because principally they're not, they're just biblically wrong. I'm sorry if that offends you. I don't play in the stock market. I play in tangible assets. And all of that I have has been blessed and off and led by God. But the stock market is another one of these things. And what is that? What are those things? It's putting the weight of profit on someone else's back. You don't even know. You're taking away their opportunity to gain more wealth because part of their share, which they don't even know what it is, is being skimmed off to pay a trinket to you and a bushel load to the overseer of the account that you've invested in. It's, this is a form of slavery, but we all participate in it, for those that participate in the stock market. And it's distribution of slavery across all domains. So it's, it's principally wrong. So if we're going to be going through life and talking about how I need to get closer to God, but look how much God has given me in wealth and my stock market investments, believe me, I've heard this, that's just a line of crap. Probably that's one of Satan's little tricks right there. And it's amazing to me how many times I will hear this, and I do hear this. Wow, I'll tell you what, I accepted Jesus in my life, and the minute I did, my business got better. I started making all this more money. I was able to afford this. I was able to afford that. And it's like, interesting. I won't dispute that it might be a blessing, but if that's how you're translating your love to to Christ, and that's all you're seeing is that it was the rewards of financials that you got out of it, you never met Christ and you don't know him. You're deceiving yourself to believe that you know him because you're waiting it on tangible, physical, monetary return. I don't know where that fits in, especially when we consider flipping tables and why he flipped tables. And so much of that why is based on the Babylonian money magic of how they were converting tithe into money that was then being able to end debt and then was able to then buy their way to heaven apparently according to the Pharisees. So the last chapter of Malachi. For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaff, and the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of armies, so that it will leave them neither root nor branches, but for you who fear my name, the Son of of righteousness will rise with healing on its wings and you will go forth and frolic like calves from the stall and you will crush the wicked underfoot for they will be a, they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I am preparing says the Lord of armies remember the law of Moses my servant the statutes and ordinances which I commanded him in Hereb for all Israel. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that I will not come and strike the land with complete destruction. I don't know how many people have seen the frolic of calves. 
we have a new calf. This is now number four out of the herd I just bought. And it's, they're just amazing to watch. They're, it is like if you just take away what you're looking at and you look, if you can look kind of at, the, at, a, at what's happening as an action and an experience, it's really, it's really incredible because children are children. Young children like to play innocently and, and run and be free, and calves are just like that. They are so amazing. They chase each other's tail. They jump around the weeds. They kick each other. It's, it's funny, and that's the frolicking, the freedom that God is saying that his remnant will celebrate. And the beauty of this is as God's talking about his return, the remnant understands that it's not a burden or something to fear. It's something to celebrate because justice will be brought. And the laws which Moses presented are, are still in play. They are still in play today. And justice will be delivered. But the remnant's not going to worry. Because through the fires of refinement, God has made us stronger and made us more pure. I'm going to play this two-minute, 13-second piece, now that we've done Malachi on Malachi and the refinement. And it's a beautiful interpretation of some of a portion of what we just read. I played it earlier today. I think it's worthy tonight. Take a listen. So there was this group of women doing a study of the book of Malachi in the Old Testament. And they came upon the third verse in chapter three and it puzzled them. It said he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And they wondered what this statement meant about the character and nature of God. So one of the women offered to investigate the process of refining silver and then get back to them at their next Bible study. So that week, the woman called up a silversmith and was like, hey, can I come watch you while you work? And she didn't mention anything about why she wanted to do this other than her curiosity about the process of refining silver. So he agreed and she went and as she watched him, he held a piece of silver over the fire and let it heat up. He explained that in refining silver, one needed to hold the piece in the middle of the fire where the flames were the hottest as to burn all the impurities away. The woman thought about God holding us in such a hot spot. Then she thought again about the verse. He sits as a refiner and purifier of silver. So she asked the silversmith if it was true, if he had to sit there in front of the fire the entire time that the silver was being refined. He said yes. And he went on to explain that not only did he have to sit there, but he had to keep a very close eye on it. Because if it was left a moment too long, then it would be damaged. The woman was silent for a moment. And then she asked, how do you know when the silver is fully refined? And he smiled and said, that's easy. When I see my image in it. If today you are feeling the heat of this world's fire, just remember that God, our Father, has his eyes on you. And it's right there. Isn't that beautiful? God's looking for his remnant. He's calling out to his remnant. And he's calling out to it, and many are hearing. Celebrating the Lord 
thinking on your days of how you can serve him better, walking truly within that intimacy with Father, walking with Jesus, having those conversations. You know, in the last few days, I've had this amazing sense, and I, I'm just going to leave it like that. I can't say, but it's an amazing sense of all that's happening right now. That all that are sitting with him, truly with him, and stepping away from fear, it's like, it's like you're sitting on a creek. And it reminded me when I walked up to the headwaters of Maidu Lake, which is the headwaters of the Umpqua River. He did that. It's what it's a beautiful hike. Was a beautiful hike before Antifa burned the forest down, but that's another story. Still is a beautiful hike. It's just now a hike of renewal. But at the headwaters, the the, the origins of the Umpqua River go from being a river of heavy, heavy rapids and very wide, and you can't even swim across at certain points because it's too rough, to a place where you can literally jump off across the creek because that's how small it gets. And this is kind of the sense I've had all week, is that as we tuck in deep to Father, we're on the side of the creek that he's on. It's like being in the kingdom, but the kingdom looks like we're right here. That's kind of heaven on earth. And when we're tucked in there, we see everything, we encounter everything, but we're literally safe. But when we get wrapped up into fear and anxiety, it's like, Whoops, we slip right out and we cross, we stumble back over on the other side of the creek and we feel that torrent that's against us. It's the torrent of fear, anxiety, hatred, anger, possession, obsession, greed. We feel all that and then we step back over. We we do that through prayer. We do that through repentance. We step back over and and we're in in that fold of Father again. And it just kind of, you look at the creek and you're like, wow, this is really a beautiful creek, but... That other side's a little rough. Keep tucked in. Because God loves his remnant. And being there isn't difficult if we let go. Malachi is talking to us about that. We're being refined. And Father's looking into the fire and into the metal, the purity of the metal, and he's looking for himself in us and you know what it's there if we acknowledge it if we humble ourselves before him and we truly walk a path of intention such a key word to walk with him not just to say lip service to it that's what Israel was doing but what the remnant was doing And why he had, why God ordered that the scroll of remembrance be written was to honor the remnant so that everyone else can understand why they were living such a wonderful life, why they would frolic like calves with the coming of the Lord. Because it's all joy with Father. And we know something very true. We walk without fear. And he'll take care of everything. It's a pretty good deal, I'll tell you. Patriots, let's pray. Lord, we come tonight just very refreshed in hearing and working through the words of Malachi. Just a reminder of the 
need to walk into the fires of refinement, to be purified, to be patient, to never ever give in, to have trust in you. And even in those times when it seems so difficult and so upwardly hard to climb, just to lean into you even farther. We're reminded of just the might in which you bring. And and sadly, we're equally reminded on all of the excuses and lack of accountability and all the denial that exists within a society that we live in right now. And it's hurtful and painful in many ways. We pray for the world. We pray for our country. We pray mercy for our country. We pray for repentance for our nation. But we also walk as a remnant. For all those that will hold that mantle and walk in that space, we understand it's outside of fear. It's outside of any of the emotions that they want. And it's filled with the joy and contentment that only you can give. So thank you, Father. And for those that are struggling to find it, our prayers are for them to let things go in their heart and simply turn into you more deeply. Let the blood of Jesus heal and accept that walk where you have to literally let go and trust. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. A beautiful walk, I think, tonight in reflection that God's put us on. A beautiful walk to look at our nation and look at ourselves. And the one thing is that we need to look at ourselves because we're at the center point of change. None of us are going to be perfect. None of us are going to be able to walk that perfect place, at least not yet. But each of these steps is to identify where we can get better, where we can let go of our idolatries, where we can let go of our lack of accountability, where we can let go of the obsessions of material and wealth that we have. And I say this so many times, God isn't asking us to be poor. He never wants his people to be poor. In fact, he says just the opposite. But the most important thing is before he can unleash the wealth and the riches of heaven, whatever that looks like, we have to seek the purity in in that sacrifice of ourselves. We have to literally be refined in those fires and we have to be honest in our heart to him. If you're snagged on something because you've got a big debt in a house and you don't know how to get out of it or your, your money is locked into your 401k and you've, whatever that is, don't try to fix it yourself. Put it to God. Ask Father for the guidance. Maybe his response will be, let it be. You're good. Just keep steady. That's always a possibility. But the most important thing is that we're communicating honestly in our heart in knowing where we're trying to get to. And he will hear that. And his blessings will pour out beyond, beyond limit. If we ever doubt that God doesn't understand this world better than we do, we're fools. He knows exactly where we're at. He's just waiting for us to acknowledge it. And that's what a good father does. Until we do, a good father lets us stumble, lets us fall, lets us bump our nose, bash skin up our knees, because we have to learn. Because what we take from this time, what we take in this moment, in this earth, will carry with us in eternity. And there are lessons that we need 
to grow. We must be refined. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Speak deeply in your prayers to Father. Open your heart. Hide nothing. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow afternoon for bended knee until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through. Fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to the level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now.
on the freeway, let it ease my mind. We run away sometimes when belonging becomes something to find. We always come back to what we know. Keep it close on the cold days, darling. Counting all the ways where you are safe. Place to hide from the rain.